the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. First Corinthians chapter 14, and then again in First Peter chapter 3. So you're going to find multiple gifts, but if I could reduce all the gifts into three categories, they would be these three categories. Number one, you're going to have what we call the spoken gifts. These are the gifts like teaching and preaching, maybe leadership. The third, the second category is going to be serving gifts. This is where that you don't necessarily have the microphone and that you're in front of vast amounts of people. It's where you just one-on-one serve the body. That might be mercy. It might be helps. Those are your serving. The third list would be your sign gifts. These sign gifts were given in the New Testament days before the entire canon of Scripture was. So when these guys would speak, then people would look to them as having a supernatural ability and a message from God. And so those were sign gifts. The canon then was closed. The sign gifts, it said, would cease of themselves. And so we don't have those same sign gifts today. So you have the speaking gifts, the serving gifts, and the sign gifts. Those are three categories. Today, I just want to cover seven of these gifts that are found in this particular passage of Scripture. But to do that, there are three basic elements. And once you own these, you'll have a better understanding of the importance and value of not only spiritual gifts and for the body, but you're going to then say, wow, I have have my own gift. Have you ever played at Christmas time? um, I think they're called elephant gifts or something. Is that the name of it? How many have ever played that, that game? I've always lost at that. I don't know why I always get the most horriblest piece of junk at the very end. Well, I want you to know that God doesn't play elephant gifts with spiritual gifts, that at the end of the day, you're swapping back and forth, and finally you get the broken one that nobody really wants, the wrapped up roll of half-used toilet paper or whatever, you know. I want you to know that God says every gift is important. So let's go through these three again. Number one, basic truths about spiritual gifts. Number one, every believer has at least one spiritual gift. Every believer has at least one spiritual gift. At least one of the seven gifts that I've given to you here and which you can get in the other passages, you have at least one of those gifts. Would you raise your hand right now? How many are positive that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? Would you raise your hand? Okay. You received eternal life. You received the Holy Spirit. That's what gave you eternal life and you received the spiritual gift. That means you have a spiritual gift. Would you say out loud, I have at least one spiritual gift. Would you say that together? I have at least one spiritual gift. Now, that doesn't mean you know what it is yet. We'll talk about that in a moment. But you have a spiritual gift beyond salvation, all right? Beyond just having the Holy Spirit. You have a special empowerment from God that is to be used to build up the body, to bring glory to the Lord, and reach out to others. So let's look at that. So every one of you have that. Number two, no believer has all the gifts, 
No believer has all the gifts. So when I go through this gift list with you in a moment, you will not have all of these. Now I'm going to contradict myself, so be ready. In essence, you have all of these gifts because my question to you now is, how many spiritual gifts does Christ have? He has all of them, doesn't he? He has a gift of teaching, but he sure doesn't have the gift of mercy. Now, who would ever say that? That's crazy. All right? He has all the gifts. So while God has given you a spiritual gift, at least one, you got that, I want you to know that because you trusted Christ, Christ is now in you, the hope of glory, and all the gifts that Christ has, which are all of them, they are in you, in Christ. So that means that if you're called upon to do something that you're not really good at, you don't have that gift in, you can still do it. Sometimes I'm told that I don't have the gift of mercy. <clears throat> Hard for me to believe. I think I'm, I, you know, I, I love everybody who agrees with me. All right, so I, I think I have the gift of mercy. But anyway, so I don't have the gift, but I have Jesus. So if I don't have the gift, I do have Jesus. And I could watch this, dig into the Jesus who is inside of me, and now I am allowing him through the exchange life to live out his mercy to those who I normally would not want to be merciful to. So I let him do that through me. So we don't have all the gifts given to us, but we have it latent in Christ because he's in us. Number three, your spiritual gift enables you to serve the body of Christ effectively. And I'm giving you the very raw, simplest answer to keep it simple. All right? Your spiritual gift enables you to serve the body of Christ effectively. Here's a phrase you'll hear again, I promise you. Spiritual gifts are not toys for you to play with. Spiritual gifts are not weapons for you to do war with one another with. Spiritual gifts are tools to build you up and to build up others. And so that's why we say your spiritual gift enables you to serve the body of Christ. And so I love it. It's... A healthy church is a church where every believer, that's everyone in this room, young or old, that knows Christ as Savior, is using his or her spiritual gift for the good of the whole congregation so that we could reach out and bring glory to the Lord. And I hope that you'll get that. Well, let me rattle through these seven very quickly. You already have them there written, so if you want to make some side notes, you can. So here are the seven gifts, motivational gifts, and I'll do a little bit of explaining. Perhaps by me doing this, it might enlighten you a little bit to what your gift could be. So prophecy. This gift is the ability to speak authoritative truth from God. In other words, you know God, you know his word, and you want to speak that, and you speak it with great confidence. In the first century, it probably referred to those that were given a special message from God. Now, since the canon is closed, all that God wants us to know to apply and to proclaim is found in his word. So now if you have the gift of prophecy, it's not getting new truth outside of scripture. It's understanding scripture and speaking it confidently and boldly no matter what. In fact, it often refers to the word shine so that you have the word of God and you just want to shine it on everybody. You want everybody to see the word so you're a prophet. Number two, serving. This would be a term that comes from the the phrase wait on tables. These are people that like to work behind the scenes. They do not even like to be recognized. It's, um, I find here at our church, those of you who are guests, sometimes we'll do dinners here and afterwards we'll say, all of you that served in the kitchen, come on out here, we want to appreciate you. I've never found it more difficult as a pastor to get those people out of the kitchen to get them in here so we can applaud them for serving us. Isn't, am I not right? They just don't want everybody to know. They're, they're not trying to beat up. They're not trying to dis, dishonor me when I ask them to come out here. 
Those people that have the gift of service, they're the ones they do it under the Lord like we all should. But at the same time, they don't need all of this. They just need to serve. And if they can't serve, they almost don't want to come to church. They just like serving. And so they like to wait on tables. And we would not enjoy our beautiful aloha time if we didn't have those that have the gift of service helping us in the morning like that. Number three, we got teaching. It's a very important spiritual gift. It's distributed in the body of Christ. The teachers are, are those that want to know the word of God. That's beyond knowledge. The ones that have the gift of knowledge want to know truth. They just want to know it. All right. But those that have the gift of teaching, they want to know it. But then they want to communicate it. Watch this now. Correctly, clearly, courageously, compassionately, consistently, concisely, and cheerfully. They have that gift of teaching. Oh, I discovered this, and I want you to know this truth. And they also want you to apply it. The fourth is encouraging. I like those. These are the people who instinctively gravitate to those who need a word of encouragement. Someone who kind of feels a little discouraged, a little down. In some way, the encouragers just know the right words to say to breathe life into them, we might say. They will kind of give them courage. They will encourage them. Of course, we know that's coming. Watch this, very important. It's not because they just say nice platitudes. You can get that out of all the self-help books in the library. The encouragers that do the most work are those that know the right word of God to be able to share with those who are down, to catch, help those people who are down to see themselves and their dilemma through the eyes of God. So encouragers bring the word of God in a tender, compassionate way to help those people see where they're coming from and what's going on through the eyes of God, but using the word of God. They're encouragers. And my, how we really appreciate and we need every one of those people in our life. I'm grateful for those of you that encourage us. I hope I do that to you. Number five is giving. A lot of people don't think that's a spiritual gift. And sometimes if you hear that, you'll think, well, I don't have the gift of giving, so I don't need to give. No, it's the same as saying, I don't have the gift of mercy, therefore I don't need to be merciful. All of us need to give. That's just who we are. When we give, we're really saying, Lord, I'm giving because you've already given to me. And the more I give to you, the more I have to trust you to give it back to me so I can still go on. And so I'm now building a relationship with you by giving. But those with the gift of giving, now catch this, very important. The gift of giving people are those that that when they give, they want to make sure that their gift is going to the greatest need to do the greatest good for the greatest God. And so they're very careful. And those that have that gift, they need to give not grudgingly, they need to give cheerfully. Now here's a phrase you probably will never hear. Listen carefully. My personal opinion. Send me an email if you disagree. That if you have the gift of giving, in some measure you have to have the gift of getting. You, get, you know what I'm trying to say? You can't give that which you don't get. Now, when you see this gift of giving, in our culture, most preachers, and I'm sometimes susceptible to this too, we always use the term giving as money. Give money, 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 or that type of commodity. If I went to the Bible, money might be a part of it, but I think it was a whole lot more. When you have the gift of giving, it's I'm going to give myself more. I'm going to give what I have. I'm able to network. I'm able to capitalize on, on my, um, my connections so that I can grease the work of God in some measure. And so to do that, you have to then be able to get, whether it's contacts or money or resources, the ability to wheel and deal with ethics, all of that together, that is the person that has the gift of giving. And without you, we would not be able to do radio and resources and travel and speak and resource our missionaries and to do the things we have around here. Regular giving is important, especially regular management of that which comes in. That's very important for the day-to-day -day stuff. 
But those of you that have been blessed financially, it could be because you have been given the gift of giving and God wants you to do something with it. That's the gift of giving. All right? Number six, you have leading. Then there is the gift of this uh, special gift of leadership. And it usually means to stand in front of a group or go before them in some measure. And so this person usually has the ability to set a direction, to explain it properly with good purpose and a great deal of love. And people sense that they can trust this person and what he's saying and the direction that we should go. And they'll follow you. Generally, if you know you have the gift of giving, if you have followers behind you, if nobody's following you, then you're just taking a walk then you're really not a leader. So again, gift of leadership, and we need those people that will instantly jump to the task when something needs to be done and gathers the group together and doesn't take the credit himself. He gives it to the Lord, working through the people that come. And then finally, number seven is mercy. Back in the old days, it was they were called hospitalers, which means they would come alongside people that were in the hospital and would cheerfully, again, bring them some sense of encouragement but to do that, they had to feel their pain first. And they would do it with, a, with really a, not a long face, but a face of concern and joy so that those people would have their afflictions relieved and the suffering removed. They're very merciful people. Oh, how important these gifts are. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later on. So I hope that might help you. I've got some ending questions and then we're going to go home and maybe enjoy our families this afternoon and maybe some outreach. So let me ask you some penetrating questions. I, I hope that I dip these questions in honey like arrows before I shoot them so that you'll receive them with the love that I'm sending them to you. Number one, do you know your spiritual gift? Now, here would be the time that a pastor would say, how many of you know your spiritual gift? I don't want you to, I don't want to make a liar out of you, nor do I want to make you embarrassed if you don't know what it is. It is not uncommon in most churches that when you ask that question, the people really, first of all, don't even know that they got a gift. They don't even know their gift. So that's not too uncommon, and that might be you. Some of you might think you had a gift, but now you're not so sure if that's your gift. So do you really know your spiritual gift? Now, let me tell you something. It is important for you to know that you not only have a gift, you need to know what that gift is. Paul even said, Do not be ignorant, brethren, concerning spiritual gifts. And that's the whole gamut of spiritual gifts. Don't be ignorant about all those things. Sign gifts, serving gifts, speaking gifts. How do you get your gift? What do you do with your gift? Why do you have the gift? You need to know that. So number two, would you like to learn how to discover it? And some of you might say, I'd like to have it affirmed. So let me share with you that in two weeks, I'm going to begin the process of helping you discover your gift. And then on October 11th, we're going to have a special seminar for you to go to that will be held here. I've done this all across the country and other parts of the world. Discover your divine design. You'll have a wonderful profile in front of you. We've done it with the youth at the uh, Christian Youth in Action many years ago. They've appreciated it so much that now they're using it. Some of them are in college at Masters and other places. This has helped them discovering who they are. I'm going to show you how to do that. So would you like to learn? Be here. Don't miss it. Or watch it on YouTube when they film it in a couple of weeks. Number three. If you know your gift, what are you doing to develop your gift? Do you know it? If you know it, then how are you developing? Are you growing in that gift of mercy, teaching, helps? What is it? Are you learning how to use it even better? Is someone mentoring you? Are you being discipled? Are you uh, coming to the point that you're better this week than you were last month with your gift? And then that brings us to number four. What are you doing with the gift God gave you? More than developing it, are you using it for his glory? If you've got the gift of teaching, 
You've taught all these years. Why aren't you teaching again? Now, there may be some very legitimate reasons. I'm not here to put you on a guilt trip, but I am here to probe you a little bit. Pastors do that. We're supposed to do that. And that is to ask yourself, do they need help in Sunday school? Do they need help in Awana? Could we have another ministry we're not doing that I could really do? Maybe I need to go back to Romans 12, 1 and 2 because I haven't fully surrendered to the Lord yet. I kind of have one foot in surrendership with him. The other foot is making excuses to do what I really still want to do. I don't know. I don't know you. But have a self-evaluation with that. And then lastly, suppose that everyone in our church were just like you and just like me. What kind of a church would we have? Would we be a healthy church? Have we properly looked at ourselves and evaluated ourselves? Are we humble, recognizing without him we are nothing? But we have him, so we're something? And then secondly, are we authentically cooperating with the body of Christ, or are we just polarizing ourselves? I'm going to be speaking about what your primary ministry should be and what your secondary ministry should be. And I'm going to show you how that fits in with your gifts, so you want to be here for that as well. And then, if you have that gift and you're using it, do you have that sense of fulfillment? Wow, I'm in my zone. And then are you seeing some fruit from it? I don't think God would give us a, a gift and then not allow us the privilege of seeing some fruit from our labor. It's in scripture. You reap what you sow. And so God will bless you for that. So I have to end with this question. As a healthy church, it has to begin with a gift. And the first gift is the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Every church I went to, big ones in Denver, small ones in a retirement village, to a little summer country church in the mountains of Colorado. I assume the men are men of God. Some men, you would know if I mentioned their names, they're national figures. And yet I grieve. If we went into that church that Sunday and we did not know Christ as Savior, we would have heard a wonderful message, some great music with people sometimes our own age, but we would have left just as lost as we went into that church. And so some of you wonder, why do you give the gospel? We got to go. It's because I know someone who is listening to me today quite possibly has not trusted Christ as Savior. For you, you've heard a great message, but it won't help you get to heaven unless you place your faith in Jesus Christ. So what do you do? It's as simple as any gift. Realize who the giver is. Your gift is eternal life, and it was given to you by God. Secondly, realize to some degree the cost of that gift. God had to pay for that gift that you have, and he did it by giving his son on the cross. Remember, a gift is not something we deserve, neither is eternal life. Gift is something I don't pay for my own gift, otherwise it's not a gift. It's not a gift if I keep the gift as long as I'm using it, and if I don't use it, it's taken away from me. That's not a gift, then once you give it, it's gone, it's ours. So God says to us, I want to give you this gift. It is my son, Jesus Christ. It cost me his death, but I resurrected him. I'm giving it to you. You don't deserve it, nobody does. And he says that you can't lose it. It can't be stolen from you. It is always yours because it's eternal life and you have it now and I keep it. And all you have to do is to receive it. And how do you receive it? You believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again. You want to have that gift? Trust Christ as your Savior. That starts the ball rolling into a wonderful life of a healthy relationship with Christ. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed,
Perhaps for some of you, this message was not extremely profound because you hear we teach this a lot. But you would probably say, this was a message I needed to hear again, and I'm so glad. Well, now, if you needed to hear it, that means you needed to do something with it. So it's not just the hearer of the word, it's the doer. So to you, my dear friend, as I would say to myself, are you going to do something with this message today? Are you going to become a healthier person? And maybe if we all joined with you, we'd be a healthier church. So maybe examine yourself and have a realistic understanding that without Christ, we're nothing, but with him, we are something. And then to realize that we're to cooperate with one another, that each one of us need each one of us. And yes, it's going to be different, but that's okay. All of that is going to make the wonderful symphony of our church and will ultimately make us healthier as an individual and as a church and maybe even as a country. And then discovering our gift. How can we specifically serve? Maybe out of our giftedness, we can begin there. We've given you seven gifts and begin to analyze those gifts to see if maybe in some measure you have this... uh, this excitement, it comes easier. When, you, when you're doing those things, you see fruit and fulfillment in your life. Now, to the rest of you that might not have yet received the gift of eternal life, maybe for you, you might just right now have this um, kind of this communing moment with the Lord. It's not so much a prayer because prayers don't save us any more than going to church or keeping the commandments or being baptized, but... At the same time, there is that connection between you and the Lord. It's not just you know it. You need to fully trust Christ. So maybe a prayer will help you as long as you understand it's a mental transaction. So you might say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I've done things wrong. I know that I cannot get to heaven by my good works. And and I know being good is good, but I'll never be perfect. And I know that if I die in this situation, I'll die separated from you as I already am. But I'll die and be in a horrible place. And I... I know you don't want me there. And I know you died and you rose again and you offered to me free forgiveness of my sin. And so right now, Lord, I want to thank you for dying on the cross and rising again. I want to thank you for giving to me eternal life. And I'm thanking you because I know I have it now because you've given it to me and I've received it because I place my faith alone in you. Now, Lord, I know I'll do things wrong and I know that you're my heavenly daddy. And you'll kind of nudge me along in my life so that I'm in the center of your will. But I'm so grateful you'll never kick me out of your family. And so, Lord, now I want to serve you, not to get saved or to stay saved or to get in your family or to stay in your family, but because I am in your family and I want to pull my weight like the other family members that I, I have. And so, Lord, I do it now to say thank you. Thank you for allowing me this wonderful privilege. Now, however you say that, my friend, it's just the idea of you trusting Christ. Now, if you're doing that, I'd like to pray for you. And I'm not going to have you come forward or say anything out loud. And, but I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you're trusting Christ in here today, never done it before. Now, when you raise your hand, I'll just say thank you so you won't be embarrassed. You'll know I saw it. Me praying for you won't save you. You've already trusted Christ. That's why you put up your hand today. So I don't pray you into heaven. Is there anyone that today was your day of getting born again? And you're in his heavenly family by faith. And you'd like for me to pray for you. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you slip up your hand? Just put it up, put it down real quick, just like that. Anyone at all? Christians, now I want you to think, as I close in prayer, where you are 
in your own spiritual health. And then as we all do this together, we will become the healthy church God wants us to be. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you now and we're reminded of verses 1 and 2 that talks about our giving of ourselves to you totally in full consecration by renewing our mind. And so today we are renewing our mind. In a sense, that's what repentance means, to change our mind. And we're now having the mind of what it should be on you in Scripture. And so with that, Lord, we reconsecrate ourselves to you. And so we want to discover your will for our life. And even if we're much later in life doing this, we celebrate that. And if we're young in life, and we know that our life will have twists and turns, it's okay because you're the one guiding it and you do all things well. And so, Lord, help us, Father, to contribute to the health of one another by ourselves being healthy. Help us to look at ourselves through your eyes and not through others' eyes or past person's eyes and maybe even our own eyes, but that we would see us through your eyes and we would be humble and grateful, but also empowered to serve. And then, Father, help us to cooperate authentically with one another, not out of duty, but out of desire, because we love each other. We love you. And then, Father, help us to discover our gift and then to take the time necessary to develop it all the time, demonstrating it, so that we would be built up and that, Father, we would have an influence in this world and through all of that, you would be glorified. Now, Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.